had never had never really got so into it that I was spending after my first run, if I made my first run, uh, taking my skis and re-edging them and putting more wax on them and looking at different things like that until then. And by the by the end of the race I was prepping the skis for some of the, the American pros. fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some of them are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? Well, hey there, I just want to jump on here and say hello, but also to remind you to keep an eye out on social media for our new competition that's coming out, which is going to be called Name the Mountain. And as the name suggests, all you have to do is name the mountain in the picture. And with that, we will put your name into a draw and you can win a watch from our sponsor, Croft Watches. Uh, but in the interim, if you're in the need of getting a watch, make sure you use the code LEGEND25 to get 25% off your next watch from croftwatches.com. Well, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to Legends of the Brand. And today we're speaking to Shug Scott from Rosmill. So thank you so very much for coming on today. It's a real honor. And I have to say, you're probably one of the people who I've had requests for people to come on and to chat to. So thank you very much for coming on board. No, thank you. Thank you for asking me. It's, a, it's an honor and a, pri a privilege to be here. Oh, fantastic. Well, I think that it's, um, I mean, we've... I've known you for, for a good number of years and, and it's uh, you've always been such a, a jolly, helpful, outgoing person. And I think that um, just kind of sharing some of your, your effervescence uh, with us and your is just something that not only I'm, I was kind of looking forward to exciting hearing uh, about today, but also I imagine there'll be lots of people with a smile on their face kind of go, I know that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were chatting just before we, we, we jumped on here. And uh, obviously, it's been a crazy season with um, COVID and all that sort of stuff. But you, uh, obviously, I know you from your background working from uh, with Rosniel and AMG. And obviously, you're based a little bit further north than where we are here down in, in Londinium sort of way. So, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you're at in the country and a little bit about your, your journey, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I live in a town called New Mills. It's one of many in, in Britain, but ours is pretty unique because it's got an N at the e, an N at the end, um, and it's I, I call it the Alps of the Alps of Ayrshire, um, purely and simply because it's got a dry ski slope. Um, and at this, well, until yesterday, it was pretty pretty white. But unfortunately, like everybody else, we, we can't go to it. Um, but that, that's where I went to ski. So it's right on my doorstep. So have you always, uh, did you grow up uh, in that in that particular area? Is that where yeah. you've always been born I've, and raised? I've been, I've been here 58 years apart from five years in here. So yeah, 50, 53 years here. 
Wow, that's uh, that's that's quite a while. And um, so, do you learned to ski then on that on that particular dry slope? I guess you've seen it change a little bit over the years, have you? Oh, it's changed tremendously. Um, it was council run, um, and then the council, like many slopes, the council tried to close it, um, and there was a a very strong uh, steering group from. There used to be a club there, um, and a good friend of ours actually pleaded to uh, both you and myself, pleaded to become a member of this in these younger years. Uh, and it was a, a club called Loudoun Ski Club. Um, the, the, ground, the ground is all on the Loudoun Estate, um, which is it's pretty historical. Um, if anybody reads history, then you'll find out. Or if you look up Lady Flora, um, she's uh, she was one of uh, Queen Victoria's lady in waitings, caused a bit of a scandal. Actually, near the, the the scandal near cost Victoria her crown. So anybody watching anybody watching the crown from the beginning, Lady Flora's in it. There's uh -huh. a bit of useless. Information about, about <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's fine. Everybody likes that sort of information. Well, that's quite cool. That um. So what you're saying is you might see a ski slope on the crown. Just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> they, they, what they did do, they actually put a theme park in in the in our castle. Um, unfortunately, through time, it's actually disappeared as well. But uh, it, it became a it became a theme park. And if the crown had been about at that time. There, there was your perfect, there was your perfect setting in the original uh, Loudoun Castle for for the Crown. That would have been. There's a thought actually, a, a business opportunity at some point. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so uh, you obviously said you were, grew up in that area, and you did. Uh, is that where you, you learned to ski at that that dry slope? And did you were you taken to skiing as as a snow sports as as a young as a young man, or is it just something you stumbled across, or how did you kind of get involved in that? Uh, the I it wasn't much a stumble, but a slide in the metal tray. <laughs> um, and I, you took from the cafeteria, is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, it was a, a metal tray at the back of the old ski club um, because it was a barren. It was a a square ten inch tray, and I think that's where my my joy of waxing and Ski teching came from because obviously to make the the tree go <laughs> from faster from the metal tray <laughs> to make the tree go faster you needed you needed to add a little extra stuff to it so found found a bit of wax waxed it up and was we were sliding on the the, the dry slope as you do as a kid um, and <laughs> uh, still a very 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 good friend um, Joanne Pollock came out. She obviously heard us making a noise and came out, and everybody ran away. Um, and unfortunately, I couldn't run away because I was going so fast uh, down the slope on my metal tray. Um, and she came over and she introduced me to ski. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, did, did uh, were you using your your mum's um, iron to do the waxing, or did you? Uh... No, no. <laughs> the, the, this is this is how old I am. Um, we applied wax by using um, a brush. You used to melt the wax and then apply the wax with a paintbrush. 
and long, even strokes. And cover, uh, it, it was a sight to behold. An absolute <laughs> so fact, sight to behold. So the fact that you now have an iron and a whole tech bench makes the world of difference. Oh, it, it's, um, it, it is, it's a, a, a totally new world. So obviously from there, you did um, a, a bit of, uh, of metal tray waxing. Uh, and then from there, you started actually skiing. Did you do, was it just recreational? Did you do any racing? Did you do any teaching? Or how did you then kind of go from, from there? Was it, just a, was it just a hobby that you did? To start off with, yeah. Um, the, 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 joy of, the joy of New Mills was it was a slope that was designed by a, a, a very famous guy in Scotland called Hans Caval. Um, Hans, I'm sure Hans was on the, on the Austrian team at some point, um, but still, still about Scotland, great instructor, um, based in, he was based at, in, at Hill End in Edinburgh. Um, and Hans designed the slope and came down one day. Uh, there was about eight or nine of us all skiing. Uh, we had, bra- like, I'm going to say a branch, but it was a branch. It was like bits off a tree stuck on in the gap of the Dendix and we were skiing around it. Um, and I got, I got an invite to go to Hill End uh, and start basically start a race my race career at Hill End on a Thursday night um, and that night still happens uh, in Edinburgh on a Thursday night um, great club LSRA um, loads of people that have come through the ranks that we all know like Graham and Martin Bell went on a Thursday night Davy Mercer, Midge White uh, oh, to name but a few, Scott Dobson was another one. Um, so, hmm. kept in touch with all of them all through the years. It, it's it, it has it's been a from from being eleven going through to Edinburgh uh, to being fifty eight and still being friends with these people. It, it's quite an achievement. Not not many not many industries or sports or child childhood friendships. I'd actually could actually go that distance. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's what we've kind of said ac- across the entire remit of what it is we're we're kind of chatting about here is that it's amazing the friendships that people have. It's amazing how close everybody is. It's um, and it's just a wonderful industry for everybody to be involved in. It's it's great that you're still in touch with them, and and uh, it's probably interesting to see how everybody's kind of grown up and and gone on their own path. I mean, with a Martin and Graham obviously heading off and doing different things like Ski Sunday and the Olympics and all that sort of stuff. And I guess Davey as well. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool to be able to do that. And to think to this day, you can still see them and, and chat and kind of, uh, I guess, reminisce from days when you're kind of growing up and having, having fun together. No, <laughs> that's no, really I, cool to be able to do that. Absolutely. It's, it, it, the snow sports industry for me has just been it's been like lifeblood, to be honest. Mm. Um, it's actually a bit strange at this moment not being fully involved in it. Um, mm. You know what I mean? You, but it's amazing that, like, on a day-to-day basis, how many people you actually speak to through through social media. Uh, you get a message over. 
somebody that you haven't seen for three, four years, maybe even longer, sends you a message over over social media, how you doing? Oh, wow, haven't seen you for ages. Brilliant. And as it's one of it's one of those ones that always, especially at Christmas and New Year, when people get in touch with you, it always brings a lump to my throat. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, and you know, again, you know, this year a little bit as well because there's been a certain to a certain extent when it comes to things like the uh, ski show in London, where it's not the official kickoff of winter by any stretch of the imagination, but I think a lot of people in the in the industry uh, or just collectively, whether you are the general public who enjoy skiing, maybe you're an instructor, maybe you're it's kind of one of the things that kind of gets the vibe going for the season. And with it not being around, um, you kind of also, in some cases, the first time that you probably might interact with people who you may have seen at ski show would have been, will have been Christmas. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. It's a bit, it's a bit crazy this year in that, in that sense. Yeah, isn't it? no, it's, it, it's really funny. Like having done, I, I, I had done loads of uh, ski shows prior to joining AMG in Rosignol, um as a as a tech rep when when I worked in in stores, uh, brands would ask you to go and and work at London Ski Show, and it was always it was always one of those. I wonder if I'll get asked this year. I wonder if I'll get asked this year, and I wonder if I'll be on the Snow and Rock stand or will I be on the the Brigham stand? And it, it was always it was always a bit of a it was a bit of a laugh. How long can I get? Can I take a holiday at that point? Yeah, can, yeah, you you can have a holiday. Yeah, oh, brilliant! I can I can do it for a week for you. <laughs> oh, really? So in some cases that I didn't realize that. So in some cases you you did it on your own time. Then did you yeah, go in and yeah. working on on the stands? Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. I, I, I did um, I did work for believe it or not, Dinastar and Lang uh, when it was owned by Big Bear. Um, one of my one of my friends, Jake Thompson, was the was the rep for for Scotland uh, when I worked in Nevisbo, and he asked me if I would go down. And I went, yeah. And he went, how long do you want to come down for? A week. So down there for a week. Uh, did it. I did it prior to that as well um, with Salomon as well. Um, so no, it was good fun. Always, always uh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> we, we we were chatting a little bit there before before we uh, hit the record button about a. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cue you up for your your your, your uh, story <laughs> later on about uh, <laughs> about ski shows. But before we get to that point, um, one of the things, obviously, uh, you know, we know and love you for uh, all the work that you do uh, with AMG and with with Rosignol and with uh, tuning skis and. You know, you're a bit of a master when it comes to tuning skis, to making skis run well, making them run, you know, the way the way they're built to run. And it's definitely it's a skill. It's definitely an art. Um, but how did you, you know, develop that skill? How did you learn that? Being an absolute rubbish racer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pure and simple. <laughs> how can I get faster? How can I get faster? What makes me go faster? Um I, I, I dabbled, I dabbled at speed skiing. Um, Didn't know and that. I had a, I had an opportunity. That, believe it or not, there has been a World Cup race in the UK, 
um, they, they had a race at Glenshee, um, where all the best guys in the world came to Glenshee to have a World Cup race um, in the Glass Mall. Uh, and our, we, we get invited as amateurs. These guys were professionals. And we get invited as amateurs. And hey, it was a great laugh. Knew I was never going to win it. Um, I, th- I think I led it for about for 30 seconds till the next person went. <laughs> hey, well, that's, that's, listen, there's nothing yeah, wrong with that. You can see you, you led a World Cup race. Um, I'm trying to think where I finished. I can't even remember now. Uh, it was the first anyway, let's put it that way. But the, the joy of it was the all the Americans were there and it, it was a it was night and day um watching these guys prep their skis. And yes, I had raced, I'd raced in the snow, um did a lot of dry dry slope racing. Um but I'd never had never really got so into it that I was spending after my first run, if I made my first run, uh, taking my skis and re-edging them and putting more wax on them and looking at different things like that until then. And by the by the end of the race, I was prepping the skis for some of the, the American pros, uh, which was, it was quite nice. The PG and Deer, which was even better. <laughs> the universal currency, oh, isn't it? absolutely. <laughs> So, um, when you're tuning skis, then how do you? It may sound like a really um, odd question, but um, um, how does it make how does it make you feel when you're doing it? Is it? I, I can't. I mean, I've tuned my own skis now and again, and I'm kind of hoping for the best. But I mean, in my head, I almost anticipate that when you're tuning skis, it's 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 almost like it's you're in sync with the product. Uh, if that sounds daft, but that's kind of how I envision you, 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 you tuning skis. You just, you just get into a rhythm, you get into a feel of it. Does that, I mean, how, how does no, it that, you feel? That, that is, that's bang on the button. Uh, I don't know if you always, I tend to try and shut myself away. Um, yep. So uh, if I'm like, on, like at, at the ski test, it's hard to shut yourself away. Um, the, you're always at the, in, in the elements, you're at the back of a tent, you've got people coming up looking for skis. Uh, some of the guys make their way out with, with customers and you then have to set them up, so you have to stop what you're doing. Um, so it, it's just getting into the mindset of, yeah, this is, this is how, and it's all about feel and how you would like it. So it's, there's, I always say there's never really a wrong way there can be a bad way, but there's never really a wrong way. Um, so, like, if somebody somebody can take a dreadnought file down a side edge, is it technically wrong? No. Is it is it good for the ski? No. But you can do it. There's nothing to say in the in the Bible that you can't actually take a dreadnought file along your side edge to give you a better edge. Does it work? Mm. No, but there's nothing to say you can't do it. So the, it's one. It's one of those ones. Like you get in, you get into a, a rhythm. You 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 do it. Or it becomes automatic, and that that's when you look at all the World Cup guys, and you see them working, and they might have 
so it's all sort of changed a bit. Um, but it was brands used to the top skiers. It was the brand that looked after the ski for them, and I know some of them now have their own techs. Um, even even going back to Alan Baxter's day, he had his own tech, but the tech was attached to the brand. It wasn't Alan's own specific tech. Um, where Dave, like Dave Ryden, has has his own tech, uh, Ali, um, who's who's doing a brilliant job. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those ones that you get into, you get to know the person, and you get to know the, you get to know your equipment more than anything. The, the like when you pick up a ski, you, you can feel the touch, how bad the edge is. Mm. I was going to ask. That's going to be one of my one of my next questions. Is like, <clears throat> do you have a? How can people tell if if a ski is not to say how can people tell if a ski is tuned because. You know, you can, you know, take a look at, see whether or not it's waxed, whether it's got a, you know, a, a pattern on the bottom. You can see whether or not, you know, you can run your, your fingernail on it. I mean, those are those are perhaps quite important, but they're fairly rudimentary. But from your experience, how can people tell if the ski is tuned well? Or is there a way for people to tell if a ski is tuned well before they ski on it? Or even, you know, let, let's look both ways. Can they tell before they ski on it? And then how can you tell if a ski is tuned well when you're skiing on it? The... To answer the first part, I, I don't think you can actually look at the base of a ski and an edge of a ski and say, yeah, that, that, that's, that's tuned to perfection. Um, there, there's, so many, there's so many different things out there, um, so many different tools, so many different, even machinery that everybody can get their hands on now. It used to be that you, you had to be a multimillionaire to get some of the machinery, but um, like Disman and uh, snow glides and things like that, yeah, they're they're not cheap, but they're not massively expensive. Um, and the likes of those, they're ceramic discs, so it's a high a high speed spinning ceramic disc that polishes your edge, um, which gives you a great edge. However, it also gives you a ridge. And if you don't clean the ridge, it makes the ski ski really badly. But if you're looking at it, it looks perfect. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we've we've all had the opportunity to ski skis, and there's a certain um, a certain feel, you know, when things are in sync with, with you know the way the ski is tuned well. And um, do you have any? I mean. Uh, when you go out skiing, or because you, you you have some on and off skiing, because you obviously had to you didn't do skiing for a little while, but in terms of skiing, how do how can you tell if that ski is tuned well, perhaps for you? I mean, is it is it just about easy turning? I mean, uh, you know, a ski that hooks too much versus a ski that is um, you know uh, grips on ice versus hooking too much. How would you how would you differentiate I, that? The main the main thing is the person who's using it. Uh, if if the person's confident, you can have the the edge right up to the very top like a racer. And there's a lot of people love that. And then there's a lot of people as soon as they stand on it, because it's so sharp at the tip, they they feel as if the tip starts hooking. Um, and it's just getting to know where where to draw the line that will suit everybody. Um, 
And mm. hence the reason every jacket that I've got, I always find either a bit of emery paper or a gummy stone in my pocket. <laughs> and Just it, it, a little bit. And it, it is as simple as that. And you you know yourself, you, you go in at the ski test, you go in, you you pick up a ski, um, the technician uh, will might have just finished uh, and you get the ski and you just ski away on it and you'll know right away if it's running right yeah you're on to winner but if it's that stoppy starty grippy you're having to push out the test site you, you then know mm, perhaps this is not quite right and and it's great yeah. for us as techs to get that feedback so I always loved when you come in into the into the test site, Phil, and you would go, you'd either go, oh, it's a wee bit catchy in the tip, but you knew exactly where it was catchy. When you get somebody coming in saying, oh, it's really catchy, whereabouts, oh, uh, all over, that that that's a bit of a that's a bit of a, a scare when somebody says that to you. Yeah, hmm. and I guess that's the the. Um, uh... You know, especially at a place like a like a uh, a ski test, what are the challenges uh, for yourselves working uh, for a brand and being a technician? Is always you know this is the opportunity to let the product sing and w- whichever brand it is, but you always wanted the product to sing and to be the best it can be. So making sure that it's it's tuned to perfection all the time. But when you have you know, hundred people or sixty people or whatever testing of the product all the time is really difficult. Do you tend to have a bit of a, a system in place as to how you uh, check through the product to make sure that it's, it's um, you know, it's running the way you yeah, want to have well, it run? Normally, normally, what happens is Chris, Chris or Stephen, were were always good mm-hmm. because they always were out skiing. So you would do a ski and say, try that, see what that feels like. And they come back in and they'd either say, nah, could do a wee bit more at the tip or it's not as grippy as it should be in the middle. And that, that gives you an opportunity to work. Um, and it, believe it or not, it only takes seconds to change it. And that, that, that's, the, that's the big mm-hmm. thing that a lot of people make the mistake on, that they, they spend so much, so much time um, prepping, prepping their edges uh, and they forget about the simple things that the, the ski might only have been used for half a dozen runs. So does it need a file taken over it? No, uh, it just needs it just needs brightened up again. Um, so we're we're lucky enough now we get loads of there's loads of diamond stones out there, um, diamond stones and ceramic stones on a on a proper file guide. It, it, it works absolutely wonderful. It, it does for me anyway. <laughs> do you uh, do you have a favourite tool, a uh, fa- favourite set of, uh, of yeah, tools that you I, use? Yeah, I use an 88 file guide, a race, race file guide. Um, when I, I, I did a bit of work for Swix when I worked in Nevisport, which really got me going on this side. Um, and I got an 88 file guide. And I've still got it. It's never, it's never going to leave me. I, I, I use, I use, <laughs> um, I, I, I use another brand now, um, Home and Co. Um, all the time, and it, it's absolutely wonderful. But I'm never ever going to give away my. 
It's a, it's, it's probably like a chef in, in his knives, isn't it? You know, you get to know how that particular tool works and like, yep, I get yeah. noon, Shani, but yeah. no, <laughs> still know how that knife and yeah. I've got, um, I've still got my, I've still got two ceramic stones um, that I got when I worked with Swix. Um, uh, sort of a, a really smooth one um, and a, a slightly coarser one, which is really good after a fine diamond. Um, it really polishes the edge up really well, um, and that those those stay in my pocket. They don't go in my toolkit at all. They stay in my pocket all the time. That's um, yeah, they kind of, <laughs> but they leave before you go to the no, the, the no, pub, no, they right? go to pub they, they, they come out of no, they, 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 they've okay, they, they've they're gone, lucky charms. Celebrate as well. <laughs> Um, so if people are looking to, to tune their own skis and to get involved in it, I mean, it, to some extent, it feels like a bit of a dark art. It seems like it's a bit of a, oh gosh, I don't know, it's, it, it seems rather intimidating. Um, if you had a few pieces of key advice or a few you know, bits of, of, of essential tools, uh, what would your advice be? With you can buy the, for me, the, 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 basic, the basic small toolkit that, that you would need for any ski holiday, any ski trip, uh, a, a wee handheld uh, edger. Uh, get a get an edger that that's got multi multi angles to it. Um, I've I've already said my favourite's eighty eight. Um, a lot of people like ninety, so a, a total right angle on it. Uh, I do prefer eighty eight. I think it tends to keep an edge longer. And all you have to do is run it, run it down, run it down your your ski from tip to tail, maybe once, twice, two passes. That's enough. Then maybe change your file on it and put a diamond file on it and run it down the down the side edge, and that would just give you the brightness back into the edge to give you that bit of bite. If it if the snow's a bit firm, um, even if it's soft. It works the exact same way. Just and then detuning it, you obviously tip and tail a little bit. What, what is it? About? What What's your rough guide in terms myself, of doing that? It's my thumb length. Yeah, I just use my thumb. Mm -hmm. uh, I I, okay. I, my, I put my thumb against it and I do two passes at, at the tip, one full pass the length of the ski, and two passes at the tail, same same distance. But I'm not. At, at the That's... end of the day, you could you can spend forty five minutes running up and down an edge uh, with different files and then different um, uh, diamond stones and then uh, look ceramic stones and things like that. But at the end of the day, sometimes just two three passes is more than enough. <laughs> so the uh, the the um, diamond passes and ceramic passes are only as good as the Correct. first rock you hit. <laughs> so when you're uh, obviously you do a lot of traveling, or you, you pardon my pardon me, you used to do a fair amount of traveling. Obviously with COVID, we're not necessarily doing quite so much. Um, but from my recollection, you spent a lot of time on the road. Uh, you did you supported some of the championships out in uh, the British championships yeah, out yeah, in Borneo? Yeah. Is that right? 
and and do you tend to do that uh, most most years? Um, now, do you do that from a, a Rosnell perspective or from a team perspective, or how do you how do you end up uh, well, how that, do you get involved in that aspect? Rosnell uh, UK sponsored the event. Um, I'm trying to think how long ago that was. Um, six, seven years ago. Um, and we we go out and we let the kids ski on the ski on the, the race skis. Um, so we prep the skis and look after them while they're on. And it's amazing how the number of people who, who now know me there and will come up to you and say, yeah, well, is, is there any chance you can have a look at my kids' edges? Yeah, no problem. Uh, and it, it's, <laughs> it, it's like that. Um, I did work uh, years ago. I did work for the Scottish team um, with John Clark. Uh, asked me to, uh, when I worked for when I worked for Swix, um, asked me to do a bit of tech work for them. Um, so I drove the van, and that got me the that got me the inspiration and the 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 passion to drive out there. Uh, driving, driving the kids out to the their, their camps and to the to the races. So I, I had the privilege of working with Alan Baxter as a kid and working with Finlay Mickle as a kid. Um, fun, fun was great, um, and and it's, it's great that I'm still friends with him. And do you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's going yes. back to yeah. the start again and the amount of people with who you remain friends with. Totally, and you mentioned about the uh, the van and driving out and, and spending time there. Um, what do you do? You listen to uh, podcasts aside from this one uh, <laughs> in the van. What, what do you end up doing? Do you have you learned a few languages whilst driving around and everything like that, or what do you? I've what learned do you to the, the language of rock. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. Isn't there a story about you and uh, Mister Best? With only like one one tape or something like that, you could only listen to one song between like I want to say Geneva oh, and Valdezere or something like that. And you counted, <laughs> and you guys counted how many times you could listen to one song, and I, I can't, I can't remember which song it was, but yeah, we'll, um, go on, gotta share us that. There, there was three of us. There was three of us. Uh, myself, uh, young Master Ian Cox, and Chris. We jumped into. Jumped into the hire car at Geneva. We were leaving the airport, and Chris was driving, so he's pressing the buttons on the on the radio, and it was um, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then he said, "Somebody must have, somebody must have music on the phone." And all three of us went through our phone, and there was one song, and it was on Chris's phone, and he said. Uh, Right, let's get that cracked up, and we hooked it up to the hooked it up to the radio, and it was thunderstruck by ACDC, and it takes it takes thirty two right. thunderstrucks from Geneva to Val d'Isere, driving driving through driving through the the Val d'Isere, welcome to Val d'Isere sign, as it ended for the thirty second time. Because <laughs> that's a universal, uh, yeah, universal it's a universal time. measurement of all travel. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. I love that. 
he's a bit. He's uh, kind of like your partner oh, in crime, Mister Best, he, isn't he? He is. He, uh, he is a brother, to be honest. So um, now, now that that kind of cues me up nicely to uh, you do have to share your uh, your your other Chris Best story uh, with regards to. Um, yeah, what you're showing me before we, we popped on, uh, we, uh, but the ski show because, uh, yeah, you you could only really do that to I think to 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 a real friend or yeah. <laughs> person uh, you really hate. Uh, we had we'd been at the ski show when we, when we go at the ski shows, um, and it, it changed towards the end because the shows get uh, so much shorter. But it's a per- it was a perfect opportunity for for us and the brand to go there. Uh, showcase the brand and also do some some retail training um for the for the the stores in London and uh, and it it's it did save save Chris a lot of legwork because uh, I could then go out and give him a hand round the stores um so we'd been out the show started on the Wednesday at that time um so it's, we'd set up we'd been out doing the retail training back in the show show finished I think it was one of the ones that finished quite late on a Thursday maybe about half eight, nine o'clock um, and I know somebody out there will say oh, I remember the days when they finished at ten but to the latter years finishing at half eight was pretty late especially on a Thursday um, so we got back to the hotel and Chris decided he was going to cut his hair because I'm, I'm sure we had a date with Snow Rock somewhere in and the, the big smoke and Chris decided he was going to cut his hair and he got his clippers out and he's cutting his hair um, and he, he go, just said, oh, I can't get the back pass. just give it and I'll do it so I, I run it over run, it, run his razor over his head and he went, oh, you've changed the setting, you've made it too short you've made it too short and it went backwards and forwards about how I changed the setting. And honestly, I hadn't changed the setting. Honestly, hadn't. I wouldn't do that to... I wouldn't done, have done that to Chris, especially with his flowing ginger locks at that time. Um, so the, <laughs> we, we'd, we'd met up with we used guys and um, we decided... It, it, was, it was a fairly early night. Um, because you're down south and everything shuts at half ten, um, so we'd gone, we'd gone back to the hotel, and I jumped into my bed and you know that way you hear this, bzzz, and I thought, ah, it's all right, and it was getting closer and closer, and I'm thinking to myself, oh god, oh god, please, please be the second one because there's only two things make that bzzz noise please may it be the second one and then that it, it, it was the second because it actually touched the top of my head and I felt the hair drop off so I, the next thing I had was like a stripe <laughs> from the front of my head over to the back and Chris went got ya but the <laughs> <laughs> the the funny the funny thing was we were we were on snow and rock in the morning, uh, doing staff training, so we, we walked on, uh, and it was like Grant and Phil Mitchell walking onto the onto the stand, and everybody's ever I always remember everybody's mouth just opening and looking at us going, really, <laughs> what happened? 
<laughs> oh my gosh yeah no that's um <clears throat> that's quite good yeah i mean you guys just get along so well together that's 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 a brilliant story there must be oh, some no, photographs I'm, out there I'm of that sure somewhere. somebody can photograph at some point we got we got to see if we can find something like that. but that's the funny really, the funny thing awesome. is now that. we don't have to do it because we're both in the same boat we're we're follically challenged Uh, that's fair enough. <laughs> I'll leave it there then. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So, um, when you're not doing ski stuff, when you're not having uh, razor fights, um, what do you like to do to recharge your batteries and to kind of, I don't know, reconnect or try to, you know, bring uh, you back to being you? I found I found horse racing. Um, to be honest, um. I found my mother and father used to take me to the races when I was a kid and I was never that interested to be honest um, but it was a day out and, and gradually as I got older uh, and you get a day off and you're sitting in the house on a Saturday after you've done whatever you had to do in the morning um, and to sit and chill uh, and a lot of people watch rugby and watch uh, football um, when the skiing's not on horse racing's on and I, ju- I think it's such a majestic sight watching a horse run um, it's not about gambling it's not about anything like that I just love watching horses run because they do it so freely even even there's a brilliant mm-hmm. advert on, on the television just now for one of the the betting companies and it, it's a Scotsman, believe it or not, and he says if anybody can love a majestic animal with a very small man in its back, then I love you. And I, I just think that's a brilliant advert and that's how I feel about it. Um and I I, I can I can wind down by watching be watching them and and it's actually quite nice trying to pick a winner, and I, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that there was quite, a, there's quite a few, quite a few people in the industry that that like it as well, um, and I've met a few at race courses and hmm. things like that, and it is, it's brilliant. Uh, I do, it is a great chance to to relax, and if you go, if you go on course as well, it's, it's really nice to go and have a beer. Meet some friends and watch, as I say, watch the horses run. Um, never, never going to make a fortune at it, but it, it's great it, fun. <laughs> yeah, was it? Uh, what's it? The, the sport yeah, of kings, isn't it? That's what so, the of it has. I've yet to meet one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so with um, with all these different things going on, obviously relaxing, listening to. To uh, or listen, uh, watching the horse racing and like that. Um, is there something that you've done that most people don't know that you have uh, done? I was, I have appeared in twelve episodes of Tiger. Yes. Really? There, there you go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you go. Okay, that wins. <laughs> yeah. 12 was, episodes of Tiger. Really? What were you, what were you... Yeah. Uh, the original really? Target. Not, not later on, but 
Planet Boys Tiger. Wow. Yeah. Um, that is cool. Uh, that, that's <laughs> going back a long yes. time. Uh, how did, how, how did the, you do that? Or how, how did the, that come the, about? I worked in Nevisport in Glasgow, in Sucky Host in Glasgow. Um, the, the, the STV crew came in to get some stuff. Uh, and they said, oh, what you do? This was, on, this was on a Saturday. And they said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? At that time, even in Scotland, the shops were shut. Um, oh, it was one day off. Do you fancy doing some extra work uh, for a TV show? Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it was, at that time it was, uh, the money was absolutely brilliant for doing absolutely nothing. Um, and there was, there was two of us went and they kept asking us back. But it was, a, it was like a... a a double-edged sword for for us because uh, when they needed anything, they used to come to the shop and buy it, and that was a great opportunity for us. Saying, when's the next? When's the next film? Oh, we could do with somebody tomorrow. Ah, and it, it worked out great. So, yeah. Wow, that is cool. That's very cool. No, <laughs> you got a celebrity in our midst. <laughs> so. The uh, I mean that's uh, that, that 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 pretty much uh, I think that's probably the most unique story I've heard as of yet. Um, if you had um, if you won the Euro Millions this weekend, um, would you continue doing what you do, uh, or what would you do? If I if I won the Euro Millions, um, and if it was if it was normal, I would I would make sure my friends were looked after. That that's that. <laughs> have I have I told you what a lovely no, person you, you are? You no, know exactly what I mean. <laughs> my, my friends, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's a huge wide circle of friends would have a, a, a huge party. Um, mm. but I would look, I would look mm. after, I'd look after the, the closest uh, family friends. Mm. Um, I, I've, I've had friends since I was at primary school. We're we're all still friends, and, and things like that. We. And we all look after each other. If something goes wrong, somebody'll be there um looking after you. And it's and it's exact it's a bit like the ski the ski industry, but none of them ski. Oh well, one of them does. Um uh, my my <laughs> friend Rick, uh, I'm saying Rick, it's big Rick, he he's huge, he's six foot seven. Um and he got he got into skiing late in life. But he he's a guy he's a guy that every time every time I needed something for the van to get done, i.e. tires for the van to go to Europe, uh, we always got we always got really really good deals from him because that's what he does for a living. Um, so uh, AMG mm-hmm. benefited from from a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so as we come up to the final three questions, which I tend to like to ask everybody. So, well, we've kind of talked more about you than perhaps Rosignol as a brand, but um, what do you think uh, would be a word or phrase that encapsulates either Rosignol or encapsulates what what you do? There's a a tricky one. Um, I'm going to say hero. 
Um, oh no, I'm I'm going to change that to Bandit because that incorporates me because everybody's told me I've been a right Bandit since I was a kid. <laughs> um, but the um, when the Bandit series of skis came out at first, um, I I was lucky enough to be working for the company. I was working for AMG. I did my very first ski test out in Pila, which was for Falling Magazine. Did a ski test, and there there was three skis. Um, there was the Bandit, uh, Bandit X, and Bandit Double X, and there was a Rebel. The Hunt brought out the Triple X at that point, um, and the Rebel was like a it, it was almost a pintail. And it was such a great wee ski. And it's the only ski I've ever, ever lost on a ski test. Someday, someday, half inch. <laughs> so so yes. your, your word would be, would that, be that, bandit. That, that would be my word, bandit. Fair enough. Very good. What would you like your snow sport uh, legacy to be? I think I've had my snow sports legacy, to be honest. Uh, doing this, <laughs> uh, that's a bit of a legacy. Um, I just to be remembered as a, a nice guy. Um, uh, some, someday, oh, I, I definitely I, think I've you're always, that. <laughs> I've always tried to help. Um, the like every everywhere I go, there's always somebody comes up and asks you a question, um, and I've I've stuck. Believe it or not, the the guy who's the tech for Atomic, George, um, does Atomic in Salomon. He, he, he lives not that far away, and I, I don't see him. Um, to be honest, I, I don't see him, but I wish I did because he's a really nice guy. Um, the um, And I always remember George's first ski test, and he came up and he introduced himself. And uh, we had a bit of a chat, and know that way when you strike something up, and and it, it was that, and I, I yeah, I've, yeah. I've said to him a million times, look, anything you need to ask, just ask me. Uh, I'm quite happy to share it with you, and I'm like that. I'm like that with most folk. If somebody somebody wants something, um, to learn something about about taking, I'm quite happy to do it, um, and show them show them how I think it's right. How I think it's right, other people will say it's totally wrong, um, and vice versa. Uh, but I, I do, I do like to share, and I've got to the age now where you look at the younger generation uh, and you think, well, you're about the age I started really getting into tech work, and you'll always get a job. That that's the thing. Being a ski tech, you'll always get a job being a ski tech. Always get a job unless you're really bad. Hmm. <laughs> so my final question for today is who do you think a legend is a legend oh, of a brand is and why? I've got too many legends I'm too old to have a legend of just one brand um, it doesn't have to be snow sports it could be something uh, else but who do you legend, think a legend is and why a legend is somebody that will carry on way beyond when they've departed. Um, and, and ski-wise, Jean-Claude Keeley, um, for me, 
Change Snow Sports, um, Ingemar Stenmark changed Snow Sports from Jean-Claude Keeley into more modern, Mark Giardelli changed from Ingemar Stenmark to really more modern, uh, Tomba, uh, I, I think is absolutely, there'll never be another Tomba. Um, Luke Font, um, who's such a really nice guy. Um, I've, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with him. Um, you, you then go to the modern day, Hersher. Uh, I, I think Hersher was such a great skier. Um, and it was a, it's a shame that he retired so early. Um, I, the, the, the list goes on. Clamour, again, a, another hero when I was growing up. Glenn Plake, not as much growing up, but what a skier. And what a nice guy. As we know, we've met him. Um, the, the list goes yeah. on and yeah. on. Um, Chris Best, Jason Summerfield, Davey Mercer. Uh, it does. It just keeps going and going and going. And we'll all disappear, but at some point, someday we'll mention the name and say, oh, he used to be, he used to work for Rosignol. I remember when Shoggy worked for Rosignol or Chris Best worked for Rosignol or Jason Somerville worked for Atomic. Russell Neal worked for Atomic. Do, do you know what I mean? It's Every, every single one yeah. that's out there at this moment in time trying to trying to keep the the ski or the snow sports industry alive. Um, they're all legends. Every single one of them that's out there at the moment trying to mm -hmm. keep their, their ski school alive, their, their, their shop alive. They're, they're all legends at this moment in time as far as I'm concerned. That's brilliant. That's uh, that's a really nice, really nice way of thinking about it. Um... You know, as I was just thinking to myself here as we're as we're wrapping up, that this uh, you know this last forty five minutes, hour, or whatever, as we've been chatting, it actually it sounds really daft to say, but it feels like it's a warm hug. It feels very comforting just to chat and to have a conversation with you about things. It's just very relaxing and it's very comforting. And uh, I really appreciate your your time today and chatting with with me, chatting with us, and um, sharing and. If people want to know more about you or if people want to know more about Rosniel or anything like yeah, that, you, can they you, get in touch? How best do they reach out to you? I'm, I'm on, on Facebook um, and you can get me through um, the, the best way now. Uh, obviously, I've changed jobs recently, um, but the, the best way is still um, through the, the AMG email. Um, I'm still there. You can still get hold of me through that way. If any MDs get any questions or anything like that, only only too happy. Um, and I, I hasten to add that you're on that legends list. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> very kind. Um, brilliant. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, I imagine um, we'll we'll speak Andrew, at some point. But uh, stay safe and we'll speak soon. All right, buddy. Bye now. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's 
info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.